Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we take the movies we love to find out what gives them their magic. I am, of course, your co-host, Alex Dandino, joined shortly by my guitar slang and friend and main host, Josh Griffey, along with a special guest. We'll get to that in a second. First, some business. As always, we're on all your socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter mainly. You can find us there. We do lots of cool stuff. We give you fun. Griffey's been obsessed with this uh, uh, exorcist gif. If you ask him for it, he'll show it to you. But yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, also, while you're there, if you want to check out our link tree, you can find our YouTube page and look at our beautiful faces while we talk about this week's movie. And of course, anything else you might want to find, like uh, trailer reactions and all other kinds of cool stuff we do. Also, new to this show, we're running a Patreon. Yes, we are. My friends, we are running a Patreon and just for one buck a month, you can get access to the Discord server and some exclusive patron-only episodes that we'll be recording till the end of time. It's going to be great. Check it out in our link tree um, in any bio you find for us on our social medias. But please give us a listen. If you decide you like us, throw us a buck. I promise you, you won't regret it. We got a lot of cool stuff going on. All right, business out of the way. This week, we are doing that thing you do, possibly my favorite band movie we're doing this month, next to Rockstar, which is also awesome. Our guest tonight, actually, is a friend of mine named Mike Robinson. Mike Robinson, I've known from the days of high school, and I actually met him with another co-host, with another uh, special guest we've had, uh, Rob Parr, who did a couple of the Halloween movies we did last year, as you might remember. I personally met Mike. Uh, he was the bartender, if I remember correctly, at this place called the Orange Street that Rob and I used to play at a lot in high school. Mike and Rob went on to be successful musicians themselves. I, of course, went this route, and that's my life. But Mike and Rob are wonderful musicians. Mike plays with a bunch of different bands. He'll list them, a few of them at the end of the show. But nevertheless, um, he also runs a Lying in Wait podcast. Not defunct, but Lying in Wait podcast called Food on Tour, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, Mike's a big uh, fan of food and likes to talk to musicians about the food that they love in any city or just the food that they eat while they're on tour. It, it's a really fun podcast. He's actually had George Motes on there, the guy who's uh, like the burger scholar um, and a bunch of other like really great musicians, uh, really great, just a great conversation to listen to. If you're driving, very relaxing. You'll notice Mike has a wonderful radio voice, quite delightful. Anyways. We watched that thing you do. It blew us away. You'd be surprised what Griffey says, I think. Um, but I would implore you all, stick around. It's going to be a great show. Let's get to it. Sorry, I should start. Oh, you're drumming. Okay. Oh, little beatboxing. No. <laughs> oh, man. We have a special guest on the pod. Uh, Mike Robinson from Food on Tour is Woo-hoo! with us. <laughs> the, the temporarily defunct podcast. <laughs> Great pod. Kids it's are happening. Wa- having a kid is a wild ride. Oh, yeah. Indeed. No pod is ever truly dead, though. That's the trick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that, sh- now that shows are starting to 
kind of filter back into it's like oh shit like i haven't done that podcast like when shows <laughs> were actually happening it's fucked yeah. like it's crazy right. so well soon you'll be back on the uh, county fair tours <laughs> all will be right in the world <laughs> right mike before we obviously i mean if you've listen to the pod you already know what the show what the movie's about but mike tell us a little bit about what it is why you're here tonight to talk about this excellent movie i want to preface all of this by saying i am not a movie uh i don't want to say i'm not a movie fan i'm not like big on movies i'm not a movie guy but <laughs> that thing you do is arguably my favorite movie ever oh, and yeah. and i'm a drummer i i think this this movie came out the year i started playing drums this came out when i was like eight years old and oh I'm, my god! I think yeah, there's right. like some some weird like deep seated shit there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. I can't believe you didn't wear your sunglasses on the show tonight. <laughs> I know, man. Where's the shades? I mean, if oh, you were yeah. a kid starting drumming, though, this is just about the coolest movie you could find at that age. Oh Absolutely. my god! Yeah, totally. Because it's like, you know, I it, it there was just so much going on in that movie that I was like. I'm, my parents were friends with a Beatles tribute band when I was a kid. I mean, they're still friends with them, but like, oh my god, man, yeah. Come and on. and then I was like, you know, when I met those guys, I was probably around the same age when this movie came out, and I was like going to these Beatles tribute shows, seeing all the, you know, the Ringo shit, <laughs> and then this, and then I saw this movie, and I was like, oh, like this, other people can do this, you know? Right. I I can't remember when I saw this movie with the first. I remember. See, I think I remember seeing it on AMC for the first time. I remember knowing about it and then seeing it on AMC for the first time and being like, this movie is the best. It's so good. Oh, my it's... reaction was the exact opposite. Oh, we went, no. Because we, we used to do the Friday night video store run, right? Right. And oh, yeah. so mostly your parents were picking the shit, and you'd be like lucky if you could pick one, and then we'd split maybe a video game. And so when my mom, it was like, you know, hey, what'd you guys rent? And they're like, oh, we got that thing you do. And she showed me the case of these fucking nerds in their suits. And yeah, like and Tom like, Hanks has that little like quaffed <laughs> hair. And, and his, I like, just arms are crossed. Like, yeah, yep, I just remember being guys. in my mind like, well, this is about to be the worst fucking Friday night of my life. <laughs> so you sit down and you're just fucking pissed. And it was magic because like when that movie came on, I was so geared up in my mind to hate it. And tell my mom and dad why I hated it and why they fucking ruined the weekend. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was completely won over. It's a delightful journey. But it was, I mean, it I, was the exact opposite. For me. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched this movie. And I just watched it. My wife and I watched it. Um, what's today? Monday. So we watched it on Saturday. And then I watched the extended cut yesterday. The extended <laughs> cut is trash it's a bad movie it's a terrible movie like i'm yeah. glad they cut some of the things they cut i mean the scenes they cut too is like every 90 percent of the scenes they cut made the characters so weak you know what i mean like if they would have left right. those in the movie like there's that one scene where guy is like in the garage and Faye has the bologna sandwich or whatever it's like, <laughs> he's, such a, he's such an asshole it's it. like an audition tape or something like it's so bad <laughs> There's, yeah, I've I have never seen the extended cut. I've only ever watched like the deleted scenes. Like I found them, like the deleted, the one deleted scene we got to talk about later on in the movie. But like other than that, like I found most of it on YouTube. This is the first time I watched it, and yeah, like I mo like to me, most of the cuts are to get a certain rating. Like clearly, like, the dick like joke. there is an amazing dick joke. 
yeah. the top of this thing that Lenny <laughs> that Lenny just hurls at and Jimmy. After that, when he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, slow down! This isn't a polka. This is rock and roll." It's like, Dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure we can go much further without talking about the amazement of Steve Zahn. Like the at like he just steals the entire movie. Like every there is almost every one liner is Steve Zahn. <laughs> it's everything you remember about this movie other than the fact that Tom Everett Scott wears sunglasses it's all Lenny like also, he's yeah. so good in my opinion the best song in the movie is a Lenny song yes. oh yeah are you talking about the, the one it, pretty pretty <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. man that's the best song in the movie and it's a it fucking really Lenny is. song yeah because it doesn't it's come from a mopey song. bitch dude Jimmy's <laughs> okay. such a so, bitch this is the Jimmy's thing this movie a is bitch. a classic yin yang right where it's like whereas steve zahn i i heard someone describe jack black as this and it applies to steve zahn in this movie he's what happens if you give your character max charisma in D D, and you're like everything he does is great that's steve zahn in this movie you're like he's a bard with max charisma because he's so good and jimmy is the exact opposite he is a fucking black hole of joy and misery and so i think by proxy Steve Zahn gets to stand on the corpse of this shitty character who just writes these mopey bitch songs. <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible. Like they do just like make I don't have, by the way, I have no idea how to say that actor's last name. I'll never know. Uh the guy who plays Jimmy. What is his last um, name? Try it. Honest I maybe <laughs> Shachich. No idea. What? Look it up. It's I, I could not tell you how to say it. Are there any, any vowels in that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. I think there's an X, to be honest with you. Um, Let's see. I'm looking it up right now. No! Shach. How do you spell it? Skach? Shach? Skach? Shach? S-C-H-A-E-C-H. <laughs> what is that? Anyway, either back way. to Jimmy being an absolute but Jimmy sack being of a mopey shit. bitch. Like that guy is so perfectly cast because he has this horrifying villain jawline that every time he says something, you're like, "You don't mean any of this, bro." And that Woman's stupid shirt he wears. What's with that stupid shirt? It's like a button-up uh, turtleneck. Button what is that? Turtleneck. Why would you do that? It's. It reminds me of the uh, the fluffy shirt on Seinfeld <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Do they just have a store where it's like you have to have certain amount of cheekbones to get in? Like, cause I've never seen a shirt like that. And I think it's just because they're like, a fat's coming. Close the and they pull the curtain. And I've never seen the room with the exotic button shirts. But that's a what I mean. A fat he, is coming. Yeah, a, a fat is coming. And they fucking close it down. And it's just, yeah, I don't I don't understand because he, he looks like what I imagine Christian Grey would be in those novels my wife read. Where it's uh, like yes. he's so handsome, but he feels like he's probably like gonna hurt you, like he's gonna mess you up, yeah, right? And, totally. and I don't think that's far off because there's a weird. This movie is such weird inversions, right? Because whereas Steve Zahn is so fun because he absolutely refuses to be in the movie, right? <laughs> he is an outside character mocking the movie that we're watching, which is why <laughs> I think as a young kid I I really latched onto that. Because I didn't want to watch his fucking stupid tunes from the old day. And granted, all the tunes in this movie are pretty kick-ass. But yeah. Steve Zahn just also making fun of the movie I wanted to hate was my invitation to like it. And then you fucking hate Jimmy. I don't know what you guys made of Shades. Not a fan. Not a big fan. Really? <laughs> I, lo I love him. I love him. You He's... know, I, I think part of the genius of this movie, like, I, 
you know, I've, again, I've watched this a million times. And as a musician, like, you know, seeing it when I was a kid, it was like, oh, I want to do that. Like, I want to be in a band like that. But then I started being in bands and it's like, oh, they nailed the dynamics of everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Like, <laughs> Lenny's the fucking psycho guitar player who's probably high all the time and doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> Jimmy's the, the fucking bitch ass artist who's just miserable all the time and nothing can be fun. There's always one dude who's sort of removed being the bass player who doesn't even have a name in the movie. Love it. And then TB player. And then Skitch is the uh, you know, he's the old yeah. the old standby. He's the heartbeat. He's the guy you you're rooting, you're rooting for Skitch the move because you know Lenny's going to be fine. Whatever happens to Lenny is fine. Well, he's a casino or a, and he's a, a, casino, a motel he's a casino manager casino or whatever. In, yeah, in uh, Laughlin, Nevada. He lived his best life. Like, he's been married like a million times, and he's just like banging skanks nonstop. Like, that's a, that's what he wants. Living it up. Yeah. No, I mean, but this is Skitch the is the though. one you want, you're rooting for. Yeah, Skitch, totally. Skitch kind of lost me. He has this weird, like... It reminded me of a never-ending story when they get into the swamp of infinite sadness or whatever. The scene when he's just like, what? When he's like, I'm just going to walk into this jazz bar and la-la land around. And he's literally pushing into tables and shit. And I was just like, oh, Man. God, Dude. no. But yeah, he's he's just, because it is. This this is truly a D&D &D movie. This is the best Dungeons & Dragons movie. Because he's the best the, campaign ever. Yeah, this is a parallel the, I never yeah. expected with that thing you do. He's the oath of truth paladin, right? He just always does everything right, and I was, except for being an appropriator. And I was like, they did everything right, where it's like he practices hard. He's got the dad who just is riding his ass all the time. You know, he's got the terrible girlfriend, so you want to root for him. Right. But by the end, I was like, there's this weird, this really weird dynamic that forms with him in act two. And I was like, what are they trying to do in this movie? I don't understand that the switch into act two and on uh, skits. What's the what's the moment? I think the moment is when he kind of creepily is breathing on a very sick Liv Tyler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to be like a cute moment. But you're like, you're the new guy in the band. And this is something they set up in the movie constantly is that him and Jimmy are constantly sniping and undercutting each other a lot so totally. there is a direct vibe that now our noble paladin is 100 percent ready to beat cheeks with this dude's girlfriend all because they're debating tempo and i was like there's something more going on in this movie <laughs> there's i was thinking about like the timeline of everything you brought up jimmy b or uh guy being the new member and i was like thinking about phil horace the first manager love yes. him how much fucking money did he – he didn't make any money. He was their manager for Nothing. like a week, and then all of a sudden Tom Hanks comes in. Because, like, <laughs> at the end of the movie, he's, like, hanging with Del Pax, and he's like, yeah, we've been together for two months. Like, the whole movie happens in two months. Yeah, yeah right. Which is nuts when you Phil, realize the timeline. What's Phil yeah. Horace – like, no wonder he lives in a camper. <laughs> His office? But that's what yeah. I wondered, because that's one of those rare Phil moments. Phil Horace's stew metaphor stands alone, though. That is <laughs> – that is one of the weirdest. <laughs> He's the only character in the movie that somewhat does right by them. Oh, yeah, yes. totally. And so it is this weird because it feels like there's a nefariousness that I'll get into a little more with uh, Mr. White. What an on-brand name, right? Is he's uh, <laughs> kind of always lurking in the background, right? This fucking devil came down to Georgia lurker in the background. And he always feels like he's duplicitous, right? Phil legitimately feels like a really cool uncle. 
And it is this weird because he he's the first foray into the real business, and he actually doesn't shit on them, it seems. So I didn't know if I missed something, but I was like, that was kind of a nice thing to put in the movie, where it feels like the whole journey is, you know, disillusionment. Well, I think your your point with Mr. White, it just makes me think of the dynamics of everything again, like how the minutia of this movie, like they really nailed it, like with the, the dynamics, like the gear, like what was going on at the time, musically and all that shit, but like... When a manager comes around, like if I'm playing for an artist or something and a manager comes around, it's like, fuck, like they're going to be here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of has that vibe. The whole, and there's this weird deleted scene before the Hollywood showcase when he like goes up to Jimmy and he's like, you're going to be magic tonight? You better be magic tonight. And like gives him this weird look. It's like that was like the gnarliest Tom Hanks moment in the movie, I think. But, yeah, you know, extended cut. He has, he has a lot of weird little manager moments that I think when he won't talk to Jimmy about any of the music, like right before in the extended cut, they have that scene, like where they're doing like the pre-show gala or whatever. Yeah. And you, Jimmy walks straight up. He's like, I want to talk about songs. I want to talk about recording tomorrow. And he's like, let's talk about it later. Like constantly putting off the artists. Like that is like that. And like the record, like the signing with, um, uh, Mo Green, who comes down the, st- I fucking Saul love Saul Siler. Yeah. He's such a creep. When he's like, who the fuck is <laughs> And there's I'm mustard laughing all yeah, over the his mustard face. in this corner of his face. Oh my god! I'm it's here to crazy. hint at the puss that I'm taking down. Not talk about your baby shitty away from me. <laughs> no, this is the thing though. What a weird decision for Tom Hanks to cast himself in this role. Tom Hanks should have been Phil. They should have had an extra uh-huh. couple minutes with Phil and Tom Hanks. Because this is the thing. Tom Hanks is this kind of villainous guy. He doesn't feel right in this movie to me. And he's so... See, I buy it. But see, he's so naturally charming that maybe that's part of why it works, but... I think that's exactly what it is. The the nature of him trying to be horrible to these guys never felt right to me, but maybe that's what they're going for, the Hollywood smile and stab you in the back thing. I never got the, like... Yeah, I never got the, like, outwardly, like, I'm going to be a terrible person to you, but, like, there's obviously... (laughs) you know like there's he's he's playing the role of the manager and i feel like he does he did it just so well because i don't know i don't know it's just, i love tom i, I agree hanks, i think movie. it's the tom hanks nice is the the coding on top of what i think ultimately a manager has to do which is like the bottom line is these guys have to get into the studio record covers then they can record their songs that's, and then i can make not what money he does in the movie you though. also have to assume that like playtone is like the atlantic of the time right you know yeah, like, yeah, like exactly. you have to assume that playtone is like massive so like right. i don't know in my head tom hanks is like top of the top at playtone under mustard face man you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like okay yeah this guy if this person existed he's probably sort of an asshole like in, inherently right. an asshole yeah but there's there's a weird extra thing with him, right? Because when I was the only thing I could kept thinking of him in the movie was Ursula from Little Mermaid, <laughs> oh where the Playtone universe is just those shriveled up mer people that are like Whoa. that's like because every artist we see who's not the the won't eaters looks so fucking miserable, right? That's like one of the juxtapositions they do, like even when that Steve Zahn plays his awesome song "Dance with Me Tonight," it's wild and raucous. The cameras flying around, it looks fun and energetic. The very next scene is back to the Playtone universe, and it's just a static wide where everyone's like, yep, 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 yep. So he's got this, like, garden of, like, used up shriveled artists that he's just crushed. Here's the thing, though. He's not even a good manager because here's the question, right? Why are you going to Jimmy's girlfriend and asking her how much she wants to fuck Guy? 
<laughs> Remember Wait. at the bar when he's like, hey, how long has Guy been in the band, you know? Yeah. Oh, and if you have someone... He's specifically planning <laughs> the seduction scene in her mind. <laughs> and I was you like, know? is this just a mutiny against Jimmy? Or, like, what is the I fucking mean, movie? I Honestly, think this fuck whole Jimmy. movie is built I mean, against Jimmy. Yes, let me, let me 100% agree with you. Fuck Jimmy across the board. But... <laughs> <laughs> this movie is heavily anti-artiste and much more about the experience. But wouldn't his goal be to get her out of there instead of creating this, like, love triangle? I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, because I am not a touring musician, but most of the time when you're told a girl, my girlfriend is here, they're like, uh, all right, well, she can go stand in the audience. Certainly not become the wardrobe mistress. The, I mean, the that whole thing whole is thing. like, I don't know, is that like a sign of the times or something? Like, is that is that a, like a... You know, like was that some a thing weird, they used? Maybe that was some a weird. Thing they used oh to do. yeah, well, I guess she can be your costume mistress. Like, is that that seems kind of <laughs> weird? Like, if anyone ever said that about my wife coming on tour for like a couple weeks or something, I would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> You'd be like, baby, I got this exotic role playing idea. <laughs> She's like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know, but this. Oh my god, I just pieced it together. So this was a ploy to break up the band by Mr. White the whole time, even though there's this great selling thing. Because one of the things that drove me nuts at the end of the movie was when they're like, Jimmy went on with the shittiest band name ever, The Herdsman. Herdsman. To have three great albums, and he became the next Mr. White. He was right. grooming his fucking evil replacement, who really looks the part, and is probably super sinister. <laughs> so is that his end game? Was he was this is like a devil's advocate? He's grooming a protege. This is like a prequel. <laughs> this is like a prequel to Entourage at this point. <laughs> Can we talk about? Can we talk about the deleted Mr. White scene? We should talk about the deleted Mr. White scene, because which is it's sort it's like revealing. A, it's really revealing and like just kind of it, it definitely didn't need to be they did the right thing cutting it out, but it's really yeah. interesting to like see that and then go back and watch the movie where they just imply that he's a, a gay man, you know, like right. with how Okay, Long. so I have not seen this. You're going to have to explain to me in the you audience. You watch the extended cut. I saw that it was two and a half hours long, and I said, "Dude, no way. so long, it's so, so long." long. I, I think I'm on record here not to get all the fucking fanboys yelling at me again. I hate a universe where everyone wants a Snyder cut of movies. Every movie is only made better by making it shorter. So the that's where I said. So the extended cut has a scene where basically two things are implied: one, that Rita Wilson's character Margarita is a hooker. I think because she don't drives think him home, and like, I don't. Everybody knows know. her, though. The yeah, doorman but... knows her. Like, it is shocking, to be honest with you. Like, we there is... To, when I was a bouncer in Hollywood, we used to know a lot of people at other places because they'd hook you up. Also, like, oh, it's the 60s. Well, no, I wasn't, I wasn't hooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, life okay. made it abundantly clear that that but was not my Howie, <laughs> So, Howie Long... So, Howie Long is this guy... Like, there's a, So, it cuts to Howie Wait, Long... Wait, the NFL's lady. Howie Long... Yes, NFL's Howie Long. No, no, sorry, not NFL's Howie Long. Radio, Sh Radio Shack's Howie Long. Um, oh, well done. Is waiting outside in this red, like hot looking red sports car, and Lamar gives him shit for being like parked there or whatever. Mm. Guy shows up wasted. He gets dropped off, and then Mister White walks out and says, "Okay, I'm done. Let's go to the party." Walks to the car, and he he makes the comment about have... being fashionably late, which I think is like sort of a, a another like point at at him being gay, right? And then Howie Long drops this bomb where he's like, "Bring him along." You're like, "Oh shit, Hollywood yeah. Hills are crazy!" Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, she does say at the bar when he just, hears Del Paxson's name, and she goes, oh, I lost you, didn't I? Yeah. And I was like, just, this doesn't feel like a true meat cute. Like, hey, I'm going to get you shit-faced and take you home in my bunny outfit. <laughs> Howie Long and Mr. White are on their way to this, like, basically, it's a key. They're going to, like, a key club, a key party up in the hills. Nice. Like, we're about to bring Guy along, but I'm trying to, like, why would – so – Obviously, it's part of the movie. It's in the extended cut. But, like, cutting it out of the movie doesn't really do anything good or bad to, like, my experience watching the film. But why cut it out? Or why even have it to begin with in the script? Like, why shoot a scene like that? So I think that's that's not any sort of, like, we have no social commentary in this movie whatsoever. Except for that, which is, like, a guy who's might be gay going to a party right and it's and it's like implied that it's happening really late because like guys coming back from being at the bar with fucking del paxton all night and like you know she she comes up to the table and says last call like it's late and then he comes back to the hotel and mr white is like sneaking out in the darkness with howie long so it's like i guess that's another like sign of the time sort of thing that definitely didn't need to be in the movie but yeah it makes it way more interesting to like watch back and be like is is this supposed to also be a nod at Mr. White being gay? Yeah, it, it's it's a strange, it's just a strange thing and a strange, th- like, to have it in the script. You're like, okay, cool. But for literally nothing, like, there's no addressing, like, the obvious racial tension in this movie. There is some stuff in here that makes, like, still makes me uncomfortable when I watch it. Like, <laughs> Lamar being the, basically the, he, him, like, hi, I'm Lamar, this is my hotel. And you're like, this is so uncomfortable. There's like a level of discomfort you have to have. Yeah. Because there's like, because he's the guardian angel of the film. Okay. He's the, it's is a wonderful he? life. Clarence of this movie. <laughs> See, I would go the opposite. And actually we were talking about this before the pod. I agree with Mike. There's a devil and Daniel Johnson thing going on here instead. No, no. Yes. Didn't gonna, you hear all the bells ringing? guy down at the crossroads. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the bells were ringing. He got his wings. He winked at the camera. Wink. See, there it is right there. He knows what he's doing. He's because taking... those two had a happy ending. He's a Clarence. Yeah. He's a Clarence. He's not a Clarence. I never thought about this. I was just like, who the <laughs> fuck is, why does this guy think it's his hotel? He's parking cars. <laughs> we've all, we've all had that coworker that's like, this place would fall apart without me. And it's like, you're part time and Colin's sick every other day. Like, fuck Toy. you. <laughs> <laughs> i worked at chipotle when i was in college for a long time and we had this manager who was like so proud of working at chipotle and she would like be explaining ingredients to customers and she'd be like my green salsa my roasted corn salsa or whatever i was like why are you calling it your salsa it's so weird (laughs) i sprinkle a little bits of myself and everybody (laughs) no i had this manager when i used to work at the movie theater and we had a regime change and he came in hot and he was like, you guys are not professional enough. And it's like, well, yeah, we're fucking 16. What do you, we just smoke pot and watch movies all day. Like, what are you talking about? We steal the popcorn at night. Like, yes. And he's like, we're going to run this like a business. He's like, I'm going to change the face of this place. We're all like, holy shit. Uh, this guy is hardcore. This guy is like a very serious businessman. And then one night I was like the late night usher. Right. So I'm cleaning the concession stand. I go like clean up and he must've forgotten that I was working. <laughs> Because we had this little, there's like a little Karen station, right? It's like a little, it's like a public uh, fucking platform where you would go to throw tomatoes at people in the old times, right? So the manager can stand there and get fucking yelled at by your aunt, you know, and get free popcorns. And so he was sitting back there and I didn't see his head because he was, you know, down below the counter. And I walked behind the counter, I guess very quietly. 
and he's just looking at a website called Penis Puppetry. And so the only thing I see is just a fucking giant rock hard dick that's been made <laughs> oh to look like God. Abraham Lincoln. That's incredible. And I just kind of froze. And I was like, what is happening? And I just watched him scroll for like a minute when he turned aside. Ah! <laughs> he was so, so appalled that like, do you think there's movies caught? out there that are like, like thumb tannic, but with dicks like Frank and Dick or something? Absolutely. <laughs> dick, dick tannic exists for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Godzilla Kong's got to be a huge boom to this industry right now. There's but a no. big Sorkin contingency with a few good dicks for sure. <laughs> but that's that is I mean. the one that exists. He's just a guy who thought that like our whole company could only survive with him, but he's still taking 30 minutes off to look at fucking penis puppets. <laughs> like, that is a standard co-worker that exists in the <laughs> Wait, what did this have to do with that thing you do? I don't know. I got to... <laughs> because it's Lamar. Lamar says this is my hotel. Well, Lamar he's... is not looking theater. at penis puppetry. <laughs> he is working to make lives better. Or to give someone their dream come true. Do you think him and attached. Mr. White are working together? Is that your your theory? Is that they're both devils? I well, I think Mr. White's like an, a devil of like a person, not necessarily like an actual supernatural devil. I think Lamar actually might be a, you know. See, this is why I'm not a. This is why I'm not a movie guy. I don't think about movies like this. I'm <laughs> we like, spent, well, we spent. This is all we spend our time doing. <laughs> yeah, you just got to make shit up. <laughs> there's a devil in. Da there's a devil in Daniel Johnson thing there, man. Like, well, what is this? Is the thing? If someone's gonna be a devil, they have to be gaining from it, right? Mr. White is gained. <laughs> the White's always gained back then. And this Jesus. time, right? And so this motherfucker's over here breaking up potential marriages. That's the thing. Who do you think said, careful, girls, he's engaged? Who do you think put that on there? Same Mr. person who said you had White. class. Yeah. No one yeah. said. Oh, that's, okay, so that's a that's But Mr. White would never have said he had class, though. No one said it. So, like, none of them did it? I don't know. What, what does that mean? <laughs> what is that line? I've been that's, confused about that since I was eight years old. That's a great <laughs> question. Because who would have said he had... Oh, you know what? No, because that would be implying that Liv Tyler did it, and she clearly didn't. No one said he had class. White White did it. Uh, that's what I, I mean. Know, okay, man. so White White is telling his girlfriend, right? Hey, Faye, maybe you should fuck Guy, right? Because Jimmy <laughs> sucks. Which, to be fair, is true, right? And then at the crucial moment when they do their huge broadcast... And not only that, why do they have monitors to see themselves on TV? They should be fucking strumming and shit, right? I was like, I don't know how these old-timey shows work. Is that a thing? <laughs> Mike, wait, Mike, you've done this before, right? You've been on TV performing, correct? Yeah, we did. You uh, didn't? I mean, we did a few late-night shows, and I've never never had that. You've, you've never, never watched yourself. yourself. You've never so no, this was a so. fucking public execution. This was a public execution by Mr. White. Why would he put that in the? Because this is the thing, I I really wanted to go back and track it, but I couldn't watch it again in t the time today. Do you, I don't know that Jimmy has a line in the whole movie that is not a complaint. Oh, he complains right? the whole okay. time. He'll show momentary burst of joy because he knows that it's somehow going to feed him. But all he does is bitch. Why would Mister White put that on the screen except for to absolutely break the back of these? Movies? I don't think do he think did it, it. Do you think it? Okay, well, someone had say, to do it. Let's what are those fucking producers that are in the, the <laughs> like the, very plausible. in the control room where they're like, "Careful, girls, he's engaged." They're like so psyched about saying it. That could be some guy trying to earn his check and his title. That absolutely tracks. <laughs> Wolfman, too scary. Yeah, not wrong. <laughs> Who's just like, you know what? This boy band needs some fucking thirty-eight year old. <laughs> 
I've always I looked him up today. I found him on Facebook. The guy who is plays he an War- actual musician. Yeah, I was like, okay, this guy's like shredding on bass in this. Like, he's got to be just like some LA hired gun they got for the movie. And I found him. He's like, I forget his name, like Larry something. And he, <laughs> now he looks much older. <laughs> and he's got like a, some recording studio in LA. But I bet he's a, I bet he's an awesome bass player. Hell I bet yeah. he's a great bass player. See. <laughs> And that's, like, yeah, I've never understood. The appearance of Wolfman is one of those things I'm like, boy, that is just the wrong guy to hire for this group. It is <laughs> but doesn't shocking. this all lead you to think that, Miss, why is Mr. White okay, crushing this th- cash cow? Here's my theory. Do you think that he sees the, here? like, is this a managerial thing? Like, do you think he sees the writing on the wall and realizes these guys, maybe he actually has seen other songs or heard other songs Jimmy has written he's like this guy does not have it but he did he <laughs> went on to have three gold Ooh, records with playtone that's true okay but with did he Jimmy go on and the have fucking three gold records under mr white or does mr I white end up like homeless at the end of this because he got booted for letting go of the cash cow no i yeah, think I, you have to cut mr white's head off and then you get his power through the quickening <laughs> like the highlander <laughs> yeah no i i this is the thing because i think that he comes to me back like on, a managerial blunder that's I, the idea no because i think what happens is, is he crushes these guys right because he knows that steve zahn is not going to care one way or another no. right ethan Embry's off in the military playing disneyland or whatever that's kind of a weird ad- abduction subplot we don't talk about <laughs> where they're just like you ever on, seen mickey mouse Mountain on the fucking meat? matterhorn <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? never bullshit <laughs> That sounds like one of those, like, Code Red kind of things. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, he knows that he's not going to crush men. these guys, right? Right. But Jimmy, because Jimmy needs this. Jimmy hates this, but he absolutely needs it. So I think when he says you're in breach of contract, Mr. White lets the rest of them go and just crushes Jimmy. Jimmy comes back on bended knee, right? He's been hooking down with, uh, you know, the jazz bar lady. <laughs> And he's like, I want to be a herdsman, please, Mr. White. Mar- Marguerite. Yeah, he sell he sells his soul and becomes one of those little seaweed mermen, and that's how that's what happens. He has a crushed right. life. So if you read that, like, is that he had this great life? But do you think Jimmy's even capable of happiness? I'm not saying he had a great life. Well, he was successful. <laughs> Correction, yes. I mean, he was successful for the Playtone universe, so to speak. But like, <laughs> so he had three gold records with some band called the Herdsman that no one ever heard from. Like, <laughs> I see what you did there. We- I didn't even mean to do that. But like, <laughs> that to me is the, that to me is like, I think white knew that the band was probably not going to last past that thing. You do like that is a fucking, that is a fucking, what about dance with me tonight? Yeah. But that's a good Dude, song. Hit like song. there's a difference. That's what like, I mean, they had fire. That's a great in their song. Belly. They have fire, but that's also a Lenny song. And Lenny doesn't take that this shit seriously. Anyways, Jimmy's the only one who takes it serious enough. Ringo only wrote Octopus's Garden. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you just, you have that one. That's all you need. Yeah, and they taped it to the fridge, and they were all very proud of him for it. <laughs> but, like, you know. <laughs> Wait, Ringo wrote more I than Octopus's you. Garden. Yeah. How many did he write? Like, uh, I thought it was, like, four. I don't right? know. They all they all suck. I love Ringo. <laughs> like, Ringo's, like, one of my, I fucking love Ringo, but they all his songs suck. <laughs> Yo, okay, when you're on that, quick, uh, what's that super radio my dad has right that fm whatever in the car X, every time XM, you're on the yeah. Beatles station you're like yeah <laughs> xm radio you're like what's this horrible song on the Beatles station uh ringo <laughs> good try buddy <laughs> Wait, Mike, the, what were you gonna say there's there's this weird part in the the studio when mr white's like your band is in breach of contract and guy's like i'm so sorry and mr white goes don't worry no one's going to prison like 
You really jumped a few steps there, Mr. White. No one was. I don't think he was worried anyone was going to prison. I think Guy like just thought he let you down. Oh, you didn't know there was a dead margarita in the dressing room. (laughs) They were setting him up big. (laughs) Boy, the sequel to that thing you do got real dark. Like there was a there was a. The sequel is they go to jail and then you're that thing that gets did. That's the sequel. But this is, this is, I think that's the whole point is he lets them out of the contracts. He knows he's got fucking depressed ass Jimmy. Right. Yeah. What else is Jimmy going to do? He, he wants, he wants the good part. He doesn't want any of the other songs Jimmy wrote, but he knows Jimmy can play and he knows Jimmy can sing. He has a voice. So like he is Fabian, a basic, he's Fabian. So they want Fabian back. They don't need sketch because he's a fucking lone beatnik from Erie PA. So Skitch is going to go off do his own thing and run the Puget Sound Conservatory music and uh, Puget Sound, which I'm like, great, good for the good for him and Faye. That's and he walks away with Faye. He's the big winner of the movie. He's definitely the winner of the movie. Did you notice the weird, like almost like wife swap thing with Chad and Guy? Where like by the end of the movie, Chad is like working oh, yeah. Guy's yeah. old job and sitting in the living room with Guy's family and sitting in the living room like this, this is what gets to my theory weird. that there is some some hell play involved in this <laughs> because Chad like Jimmy might be a sad like merman weed person at the end Chad has the all-time saddest arc of any character in any movie Oh yeah I texted I texted Alex about this because What's his last name? Giovanni? Is it Rabisi? Is that how you Rabisi, pronounce it? Yeah, Rabisi. Yeah. So when he breaks his arm hopping over the the parking meter in the beginning, I always have these weird flashbacks to him dying and saving Private Ryan. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm so glad you brought this up. He's like on the ground, like moaning, and I just think of when he's in, he like gets shot in that stupid fucking battle that Tom Hanks takes him into. Tom Hanks gets him fucking me killed out. in. in... <laughs> you may have stumbled upon the greatest oh cinematic yeah, secret wait. ever. What if <laughs> this whole movie is Giovanni Ribisi's dying dream or his waiting room to hell moment? Because Mr. White, <laughs> oh, the old whites came in and fucking stole my friends and made him famous. God. What if is this the... is all Giovanni Ribisi from Saving Private Ryan's personal hell where he has to watch this other taller, handsome, better drummer? take his band become wildly famous and get Faye, and he's like well the only thing that he has is that stitches skitch's dad is actually nice to him and he's never nice to skitch in the whole but that seems like a poor consolation because in hope in hell there has to be some hope or else it's not as bad so i think you might have stumbled on this is this is a saving private ryan i didn't i didn't think about the tom hanks (laughs) parallel the saving private ryan tom hanks thing until just now that might be, uh, I don't okay. know. It's just like a bunch okay, of young well. privates getting chewed up by Tom Hanks <laughs> spit back out. That's why no one's going to jail because they're already in hell. God. <laughs> I I think that tracks. I might have to go back and watch it. I think you can make that work. I mean, I think a Giovanni Rabisi fever dream in the middle of Saving Private Ryan definitely could be that thing you do. And I would buy that. I also, I also love Giovanni Rabisi. He's great. He's so good. I do too. He's so good. And he He's does so, such a so good, good job of just being dumb in this movie. Yeah. Like I, I don't know why it's He's like a weird physical comedy. 
Whenever when they're playing the uh, Mercyhurst College, oh man, Mercyhurst College. By the way, I remember Mercyhurst College really well because I had a lot of friends who ended up going there. Um, but when they're playing the like talent show, and I don't know why, but every time that girl like walks past and runs into his like freshly broken arm, I just oh, it's so good laughing, and he it's just so walks good. out because <laughs> he knows he's been had. It's but true. See, that's funny because that also lets you know this is the other thing you know why he's in hell. It's because you can tell that he's on the same page as Jimmy. He's just Jimmy's little fucking valet. What a horrible, depressing life. Jimmy sucks, man. I have a question. Can you pinpoint your single favorite Lenny line in this movie? There are so many. It's probably when I think mine is the when he's like, I'm not here with these boys. I got a pig in competition over at the Livestock Pavilion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, that is the best one. I'm going to win that, that blue is... ribbon. <laughs> I think so when he good. talks about it, he's like, he's like, we're Captain Biggie and the Sharp Shrimp, shrimp Shooters. Yep. <laughs> that when was a good one. Cap, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shooters. Yeah, right? <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I liked when, uh, when what's his name, was getting all pissed off. Uh, Jimmy's all mad, right? Oh, he's and like, in the, he's in like the yeah, these criminals. He's like, ah, oh, they're just making us be in movies and stay in a hotel. Fly us out here, let us be in yeah. motion pictures, put and, us up in a fancy hotel, yeah. bunch of lions. Bunch and of then lion when Jimmy snakes. leaves, he goes, he goes, there he goes to write his famous single, Alone in My Principal. Alone in My Principal. Dude. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that, I mean, burn. that line is like just classic. It's so good. I There was this. I feel like all these Lenny one-liners were so prominent in my household growing up too. Like my mom is obsessed <laughs> with this movie. So it's just like all the time, even still, like I'm fucking 33 years old. She's still quoting that thing you do when we hang out. <laughs> it's a great, it has great life. That's the thing. Not only is it, it like Tom Hanks writing this movie is really impressive. Yeah. And it, it's very snappy, but it's also just loaded with great actors. Alex, what's your Lenny line? My Lenny line? Oh, Lenny line. Yeah. My Lenny line is definitely the uh, blue ribbon line, but second is for sure. Um, oh, there he goes off to write that hit single alone in my principles. <laughs> <laughs> there was another bunch one, of, too, when Jimmy was being a real snakes. cock, and he's like, I feel a little hesitant to sign anything that has to do with my music. And Lenny oh, has yeah. a real cracker right there. I Guy in what a it really is. nice <laughs> campers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to put our song on the radio. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. Oh, God, yeah. He he is just the absolute fucking best. That and they're, they're all like, drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's another great, like, bit that they just totally glaze over. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, so he's like, you got to keep your head on a swivel with me. I'm from here, EPA. I'm fast. But no, but uh, honestly, the Lenny line I'll take away that kind of sums up why he's so great is I love at the end when they're playing their gig, and he just looks at Sketch, and he's like, how did we get here? And he's just smiling yeah. and happy. He's not overwhelmed. He's not scared. He's just like, holy shit. Like, I'm on the ride, man. Like, if this is all it is, that's good enough. I thought yeah. it's a beautiful performance and character, man. Yeah. He's the best. I feel like Lenny is all of us trying to achieve our dreams. Yeah, Lenny's point. definitely like who you want to be, right? Like, he's just yeah. so like. You're probably more of a Jimmy somewhere <laughs> deep down, but. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you wish. Yeah. You're more of a Jimmy deep down. If you're like super nerdy about the thing you love, you're more of a sketch, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, if you don't care about anything, I guess you're a TV player. Yeah. So what did you guys make of Tom Hanks might be one of the greatest directors ever because he actually made Charlize Theron hateable. 
which I did oh, not I know. know. I had never seen that yeah. in a movie. I forgot this was her. Who knew? Because it wasn't does that not like her track second, in my brain. Wasn't that yeah, like her was second movie her or something? Career. Yeah. My wife, it we was were also like, Tom Everett Scott's first movie. Yeah. My was wife and really? I, when we watched this on Saturday, we were like looking up all these articles, like facts you didn't know about thing, that thing you do or whatever. <laughs> and I guess like Tom Hanks made some comment to her in her audition that she was like going to be someone or something. And the, nice. Mr. White coming through. Tom Hanks, the tastemaker. Wow. Yeah, right. We. Oh, also, um, Mike and I found out Villa Pianos is actually up the street in North Hollywood. Yep. Airport? I really want to go there place? one day. The airport place. I, I don't, Mike, I don't know if you ever remember. There's, um, well, I'm, I, there was a really old, so I, just for reference, Mike and I grew up around the same area in Cleveland and Akron, but by the Akron airport, there was this like bar, this ratty ass bar, um, <laughs> restaurant. I don't even remember what it was called, but a guy who coached my baseball team owned it. And he like set up a party for us for winning something one year. And it was, uh, it was disgusting. Like it was just filled with smoke. And I'm like, there's no reason for 14 year olds to be here. But every time I see Villa, every time I see that guy, he's like, I run a bar called Villa Pianos down by the airport. You, you, you gotta play. I just gotta have it. All I think of <laughs> that was really good. This, like ratty ass place yeah. that like, let, like, let like 14 year olds run around and like, just, guzzle soda and like order free food constantly yeah. like it was just well, i'm old enough to remember when every restaurant just had ashtrays on every table like that yep. was a that was yeah. a life back then that's just how shit was oh, yeah. <laughs> nobody yep. by the way none of the four cast smoke which i think is really fascinating well because they're well, the, they're the ideal that. the dream boats yeah they're the nice boys <laughs> but skitch skitch would be a smoker I think. no paladins can't smoke they're on a holy quest. But he's a, he's a jazz cat, man. <laughs> no, he he's a, a fucking boy. appropriator. He's a um, jazz cat, and he fucking watches lots of Kubrick, apparently. Like, constantly watches Spartacus. Oh, Spartacus, <laughs> yeah. That was a weird motif. I was like, are we supposed to get something out of this Spartacus? Well, record? that was another, like, extended cut thing where, like, all these Came scenes with, the, yeah. with Guy and Tina made the whole thing make way more sense. Alex texted me was like, yo, the the extended cut makes their relationship makes make way more sense. And I watched it and there was like this whole thing in the beginning where like he says I'm Spartacus or like making out on the couch or something and she gets all like fucking like super horned up. So horned up. Like wait, because she, she gets the WAP off the Spartacus? Loves it. <laughs> oh loves see I figured it, it so, would be I figured it would be Dap. And that Try. makes that makes that scene where he she like hangs up on him, you know, when when she's like fucking blow drying her hair or whatever. Yeah, it makes it hit that much harder. Oh, <laughs> You're man. just like, oh, which, poor guy. Which I think also has my favorite line read of of the I am Spartacus line, where he just like gets real deep with it and like, I, I, oh, I hate it. Yeah. That's when he goes when he goes oh, all bane. <laughs> Way too much. I was born in the Coliseum. You yeah, very bane. <laughs> Oh, Tina with her fucking hair bag. Uh, I honestly, honestly, I think I think Tina should have chose the dentist though. I was I was with that decision. I was like, this is a proper life. Yeah, I was fine with it, dude. Dentist was hot, and you know, dude, that dentist was the dentist also Howie Howie Long. (laughs) Like, was he looked exactly like him? Oh my god, with a little Dolph Lundgren aftertaste. <laughs> I didn't know that. By the way, I was reading this the other day. I didn't know this. Apparently, not so. Chris Isaac plays Uncle Bob, who yeah. records the single. He apparently is also in Diane Dane's like uh, band. Oh, sick! I was <laughs> looking on um, 
on the all music website because I was like, I wanted to know who played on the the mm. soundtrack, you know? So I was like, oh, I can go on all music and like click on credits for that thing you do soundtrack. And they fucking like they really went into this. Like Uncle Bob is listed as a producer. <laughs> all the artists are credited as the artists. Like you click on them and it just awesome. it just takes you back to the that thing you do soundtrack. Like I couldn't that find thing you do written by Adam you know, Schlesinger. The late great Adam Schlesinger, which is just that is that is probably I think that might be his greatest contribution to pop culture. Oh, point. yeah. Like, Totally. He, I mean, look, my, uh, my crazy ex-girlfriend's great, but like that song is an all-timer, I think. So, well, the entire the, the entire movie has to rest on the foundation of a banger. If you know that, that song written... is not an absolute banger, this movie cannot work. That was that was a contest. <laughs> like they like put out the word to a bunch of different musicians. It was like a contest, and he fucking won. Yeah, there were like three hundred entries or some shit, and like he Fountains of Wayne wasn't even a thing yet, right? No, like they had just started. I think they had just put out their first record, maybe. So, crazy. but like he, I mean, he's just. I got to tell you though, I really want to hear what the other ones were. Oh, I would because, love that. I also like, want to know. Do you, think maybe... you know, like you know, there were like some big ass names that probably submitted song. Like I would love to hear those. I feel like definitely maybe a Dave Grohl, maybe Dave Grohl contributed. Dave Grohl probably, probably a Dave. <laughs> He's like, Lemmy and fucking Zach Wild, <laughs> some drummer I've never heard of. Come play in my house. We're going to do that. <laughs> we'll call it Probot. I, yeah. I got to find out those other versions. Like, what other songs? Because for sure they out. had to go out to like Phil Collins. They had to hit up Elton John. <laughs> yeah. Like all your classic ballad guys were hit up for sure. I was trying to figure out though if it was always those lyrics. Or if, or it was always the song has to be titled that thing you do, or if that was strictly. The, I think guys. the song had to be titled. I remember seeing that the the contest was like you have to write a song called that thing you do. I think I think that's what God. I read. But okay, and I would imagine like did Tom because Tom Hanks I think has writing credits on that song. I don't know if it's because he like commissioned it or if it's be, maybe he like. I would imagine he had part like a say in the lyrics at least. You know, like it's his right. movie tweaked it. Yeah. God, we should it's, restart this contest in 2021. We should. Like Megan hear... the Stallion's That Thing You Do. <laughs> <laughs> I would fucking die of joy. I would actually fucking love to hear that. I'm not going to lie. I would. Oh, Just a mo we're remaking everything. The modern day retailing. Uh, this young up and coming hip hop artist facing down the evil spawn of Jimmy. I... <laughs> who now has his own fucking Spotify label or whatever. They face off on I TikTok. I do think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we've so we've done so Mike for the for the month we've done Sing Street, um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and uh, Rockstar. Dude, I fucking How... love Rockstar. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's insane. Of those movies, so I, and then obviously that thing you do. Of these movies, which mirrors the experience of being a touring musician best is it this one i think is it... i think that thing you do does it best because i also like especially now having not been on tour for over a year like we were watching it the other night and there's like that scene when they're in the bar when lenny's playing cards with the old men or whatever and it's like these dudes just played a show or they had a day off or something they're fucking hanging in the bar with everyone they're on tour with it's like the it's so like nostalgic at this point which sucks because like no one's fucking doing that right now right but you know like rock is so romanticized fucking hair metal <laughs> like 
stereotypical rock and roll you know where like that thing you do is like these are just some dudes on tour that are like their their bands happening right now you know right that makes me happy See, i love rock this movie is very accurate i was hoping <laughs> yeah. it was hedwig well- <laughs> <laughs> the other thing with the, with that thing you do is they did such a good job with like gear and everything and you know like some of the the like the names they make up for musicians and shit like everything was just so dead oh, on names with what, are amazing there's so good freddie frederickson mr downtown like Fred, come on okay the mr downtown song also in a cut scene comes up earlier in the movie yes it's something i think the guy they... is humming in the car while he's driving no, he's he's like straight up like blasting it, and then he runs into Tina on the street or whatever. So good. He's like late for a party or something. <laughs> yeah, I wish they. I was liked, late for he's late for an F sesh. <laughs> I really liked that like that nod to the song early on in the movie. I wish they would have gotten that in there somehow. Like, yeah, maybe guys listening to it at the appliance store before opening or some shit. Yeah, it does. I do th- wish that there was more because like I've. I actually tweeted I tweeted this because I was like watching the movie. I'm like, why is there there was no follow up? Like, this is like a TV series, man. The Playtones Galaxy of Stars. You could make a fucking TV show out of that shit. No, oh, no, because yeah. the rest of Absolutely. them are sad husk people. No one wants to Except watch an episode on Mr. Downtown guy. Yeah, Chantelines. Yeah. No, Mr. With Downtown. With the TV players sniffing outside of their bus. Yeah, no, he's just in his <laughs> boxers and his wife beater hitting his wife drinking whiskey like i hate mr downtown right like his life is bad i'd watch a freddie frederickson episode where he's just hating the fact now that, that i pitch guy. it that seems yeah. very dramatic See, that no. seems pretty sweet <laughs> as soon as you said that like i was imagining like an animated that thing you do series or something <laughs> oh, <laughs> even yes. better oh my god yes oh but no, welcome that's what i i think it's I think it's really smart, though, that because obviously there's all this other stuff he wanted to do. I think it's really smart how much they cut out because yes. it helps the whirlwind factor of this. Right. Oh, yeah, because totally. It, the movie the is just like nonstop. Ne- yeah. The fact that we can never get our feet on the ground mirrors exactly what happens with these guys. Like you said, Ethan Embry doesn't even have a fucking name. <laughs> right. They're just like, where's your bass player? So it's, it is. It's just, this, you know, this fucking rock and roll fantasy run amok and and I, I think that's to the great credit right it's that that great line that mr white had when uh you know he's like unplug and run off the stage before the applause dies down yeah yeah you know and he's like what about an encore run off the fucking stage you know and it's like there there is something to that right like is that less valuable than the old guys that just burn out and are just tear like when i saw meatloaf in hollywood oh and he was what? so fucking Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Wait, go deeper. <laughs> Where did I would you love see to. Meatloaf in- no when one wants to be meatloaf deeper in, in the Meatloaf than me. <laughs> yeah, so I went and saw Meatloaf downtown. And this is the thing. I got lost in the subways because I was high as shit. So I had to walk like a mile in a heat wave. So I got in there, and it was me and the guy from Angels in the Outfield. Danny <laughs> Glover? Friend- no, the – God damn it. He also fights the rock in Walking Tall. <laughs> Little blonde oh, guy. Oh, the guy from Band of Brothers. Yes. God, I so love he's Band sitting there and he has a girlfriend so with him who looks like she's no smaller than six foot eight, three hundred pounds. But like huge, like a Sasquatch. And so we're sitting there as high as shit, and he lets us sit at the table because we're losing it. Meatloaf keeps having to sit down, he's like he's all winded. And so this screen drops down and it's like a stormy cloud background and Lil John kind of rapping, kind of talking to us, so Meatloaf can catch his breath and what? stop shaking. 
And then the guy from Walking Tall's girlfriend rushed the stage because she wanted to give Meatloaf a hug. Right? Security tried to wrangle her, and she chucked that motherfucker off the stage. Holy shit. And it shit. took, like, four security to bring her down. And I was like, I've never been so high and confused in my entire <laughs> life. I had no idea what was happening to this day. I always imagine Meatloaf sort of being, like, the that uh like the really like scary monster in little monsters you know, <laughs> he's got like the he's almost got like the turtle shell back thing that's like meatloaf in my head is that guy a, a friend of mine who's a writer in hollywood uh dave he has one of my favorite stories so he actually used to be meatloaf daughter's roommate right and Whoa. long story short some uh good lord not great things went down right and meatloaf essentially took to blaming them and he kicked him out of their house <laughs> and i'll never forget this because dave thought it was like this great sign of rebellion he's like we cleaned the hell out of that place <laughs> and then i left my bat out of hell album there but i broke it that's awesome pieces. so meatloaf walks into this barren crystal clean house and it's just like a shattered bat out of hell <laughs> on the floor it's a fuck you to meatloaf <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I I fucking love Meatloaf. A kiss is a terrible meatloaf. thing to waste. If I was in a band, if I was in a band, right, in a movie, that thing you do, a kiss is a terrible thing to waste would be the the song that my whole movie was based on. There are like there are some songs from that era that just like make me feel weird. I feel like a lot of Meatloaf <laughs> songs do that. And what? also that song Black Velvet. I fucking hate that song. That song makes me feel so weird. Ooh. So, like sexy weird no like i don't know like maybe that's another like weird deep-seated issue maybe i have some traumatic experience i'm like hiding <laughs> and i associate that song with it i don't know that song just makes me feel like creepy maybe in a sort of way. like mr downtown yeah it's like mr down like got that pervy vibe how is dare it, is the song about a is it song about a, a detective of some kind it seems like that. It's supposed to be a theme t theme song to a TV show, right? It's a theme song. Is it a TV show or a movie? Because it's about a guy. It's about a cop for sure. Because they're talking about like a badge or whatever. I'm going to look up the but... lyrics to Mr. Downtown right now. You think anyone's <laughs> ever looked up the lyrics to Mr. Downtown? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I've looked up the lyrics to all these songs at some point. We've got one guy. This is huge. Darkness falls and, and the, the night's night begun. Way uh yeah, and you guys for the man with the meatloaf. badge in the night. <laughs> See, there it is. I always thought that was supposed to be like a Mr. Tibbs thing, but I could be wrong. <laughs> wow. Uh, what fuck, a song. Man. I mean, I, that, that soundtrack is just great. It's so yeah, good. It is really I good. shamelessly love that thing you do. I think this movie is just like beyond, beyond like, and for being the first movie Tom Hanks ever wrote and directed. Wow. Like, I didn't realize talk that. about like capitalizing on all your powers as a movie star and just being like, Hey, we're doing this. Watch this. Like I, I think this movie does a very good job of telling a, telling a good story about a one hit wonder band. Like that is, I think probably the most valuable thing about it is it tells this story of how quickly things can go and how quickly things can fade. And I mean, that is what, that is what sometimes art is. And that's a lot of the times would especially like the tub thumpings of the world are, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're Chumbawamba way better baby. than the O Neaters, but yeah. <laughs> hey, that's on netters. Yeah. That's O Netters. <laughs> <laughs> that's another good one. Good no, I mean, it? what I think I love Plenty. about this, right, is that it tracks this journey 
And you would imagine it would get cynical and sad by the end. But I right. like that it never says that. It's like, even though it is this short run and their band explodes in two months, it's kind of what Dell was saying, right? Like, just keep playing no matter what. Like, bands come and go. They can't last forever. And what I like about the Wonders, you're like, except for fucking dickhole Jimmy, <laughs> it feels like the guys in this band really appreciated the journey. Like, the scene I always remember, I posted this in our Discord today, was that fucking scene where she's mailing something and she hears it on oh, her headphones. Oh, yeah. And she runs through the street, and they run through the store, and they're cranking the radio. And even dickhole Jimmy slams on his car, blocking traffic, because, you know, always be dickholing. And even he runs in and is excited, right? And that euphoria in that moment, that's where it's like, this is all okay, right? No matter how it ends, they got that fucking moment that so many of us never fucking get or never push hard enough to even try to get that first step. And you could argue that's the best it is for them in the whole movie. But I like that it doesn't devolve into cynicism. I love the way it ends because they end on that, like, sort of, like, second version of that thing you do. You know, the song playing is just, yeah. like, this other sort of, like, hopeful version of the song you're hearing the entire movie that's, like, a little more, like, melancholy and, you know, You've just a totally different now, vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and I, that's another I, – I like that song better than – that thing you do oh you're one of the it's I, too it's too fast guys <laughs> i read i read that actually that song is supposed to be a herdsman song by jimmy really well now yeah. i hate it now i hate it for sure. <laughs> so i don't know Jim, no. jimmy's like one of those he would definitely get me too right now but it's like separate the art from the artist <laughs> oh, sort of thing sure. you know hardcore. hardcore i don't even know if he could because he probably just buries him in his backyard when he's done abusing <laughs> that sack of shit jimmy no, you know what? It, it has a beautiful ending, though, because I, I really like – I liked Guy's arc a lot, right? That it kind of has this beautiful bookend of going down to the basement, playing the record, like pretend – like I used to, you know, dabble in playing. I was never good at all. But just like turning your headphones on loud and just fucking going for it, right? And feeling like you're in it. And then at the end, he gets to fucking jam with Dell. Yeah. And so for him, it's like, that's it, man. He did the yeah. thing. And so totally. I, I love, I love that. that, that like Me the too. beauty of – if you real like, because he even says, right, he hasn't played in a band except for his uncles, but he plays every day. He practices every day. He loves this stuff so much. And I like that just, you know, I'm here for the journey thing. Yeah. And that it's not some fucking super long, drawn out, oh, the wonders could have been it. Oh. It's just like a, oh, all right, now it's Monday. <laughs> right? Like, back to, back to work. Back and to I, the next I day. love that about it, man. I thought that yeah. that is probably one of my favorite takeaways from this viewing. I didn't I don't know how I never really put it together of all the times I've watched this, but like watching it this time, that sort of like full circle, like him jamming to Dell on the record in the basement and then him playing with Dell in the studio. I never put that together somehow. Like I don't and I, when I watched it this time, I was just like, oh, God, that's so good. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's great. This is one of those movies that I just sort of like mindlessly watch because I love it so much, you know, and it's yeah. like I don't think about it. And this time watching it. I enjoy I haven't watched it in a long time and watching it to talk about it I enjoyed it even more just because I was thinking so much about it you know yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a good movie to just sit there and actually think about sometimes even so though good. it has like no need for it but then we can do stuff like this just like it's Rockstar movie. just like Rockstar <laughs> <laughs> I mean who'd you guys do Rockstar with us just just, us. just us. oh man you guys you we don't know enough some, rock stars yeah. you should have gotten someone from like a poison tribute band or something 
I used to know the guys who were in a God. What's that fucking band that always played on Sunset at the Whiskey? Oh God, were they called Steel Panther too? The cover yeah, band, remember? Steel Panther, yeah. Steel Panther. Yeah, I used to. They they were pitching a TV show at the studio I worked. At. I legitimately wow. thought you were about to say Alter Bridge, and I was be like, "Well, oh, funny hell you should yeah. say." That. <laughs> my kid would fucking shit in his non-existent diaper dude i'm doing a f- we're doing festivals this fall with like seether and shit i didn't oh even know they were God. still a band okay so me and my wife have seen seether probably six times what not, come on man. not like on purpose but they were just yeah, in right. that like in the midwest <laughs> you thought you thought you got me fine fine i have eight t-shirts no i'm just kidding but uh i probably do own four of their cds actually Somewhere Jeez. deep in a dark corner. But no, they were just like on that Midwest tour when the new metal thing cracked. Mm-hmm. They were just one of those bands that were always guaranteed going to be if there was more than one band playing at a show. <laughs> See, there was always like the second or third band. Totally. And so I saw them so always. many times. And like Theory of a Dead Man or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> uh, Mudvayne is making a comeback this year. I don't know if you guys saw, saw that. that. That means but Power Man 5000 is not far behind. I fucking hope so, dude. <laughs> I unabashedly, me and my wife did the uh, going back and being like, no, you had worse taste in high school. No, you did. (laughs) And I remember being like, yeah, this was like real shitty, like testosterone up, you know, lifting weights before school music I was in, like corn. I was like really big into corn. I love corn. And my wife, we played corn for my kid and we played Freak on a Leash and he could not stop laughing. (laughs) How old's your kid? Yeah, he's six. And he just goes, dad. Why is he talking like that? He's like, and I was like, Hunter, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that at one point, us as a collective species said, that's bad ace. You know, like we were in. We were so in, and it's still cool to me. Got the life. When's the last time you listened to Got the Life? This road trip. That song is fucking cool. Like, there's like a dance beat on it. Like, yes. that's sick. But, like, for a new metal song to like bust out yes. a disco beat, that's so sick. They and it's died heavy to me fuck. when they did uh, that cover of Lowrider. Oh, yeah, that was bad. And I was like, whoa, boy. I was like, I got to rethink this. But, uh, like, Corn's Originals? <laughs> and this is, uh, now we're just getting music Corn's there. Originals. <laughs> now we're just, yeah, Corn with a K's Originals. Now we're just getting, uh, I was a children of the corn. It's fine. Now we're getting music nerd, but. Uh, Jonathan Davis, who is the head of Corn, wrote the music for my favorite movie soundtrack ever, Queen of the Damned. When he Whoa. wrote these like new metal, like vampiric power ballads, but because of a record dispute, he couldn't sing them. So they had Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, David Draymond from Disturbed, Wayne Static, like saying Jonathan awesome. Davis Corn style vampire epics. That's so, so Queen wild. of the Damned soundtrack. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'll have to listen to that. I've never heard that. Shit. Now I gotta go listen to Queen of the Damned. Now I, gotta go I feel to like corn. there's a chance you're gonna be and like corn. that guy lied to me, but <laughs> at a time that was my favorite album. I own. <laughs> That's amazing. I could talk about new metal all day. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything to promote and talk about and tell us all about before we finish this off? You already mentioned my defunct podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like defunct. Jason Voorhees; they never die. It's lying in wait. <laughs> uh, not really. Not much. I mean, this fall hitting the road with a new band called blame my youth which will be sick it's like one of my best friends and i'm playing drums on it and uh, we're playing a bunch of rock festivals with seether and you know no it'll be cool like nine inch nails is on one of the festivals metallica's on oh hell yeah 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 it'll be sick so it'll be pretty great pretty awesome and mudvane's on one of them 
Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check out check out uh, Blame My Youth. Blame My Youth's tight. You know, it'll be fun. I have listened to it. It's very. The, you guys are very good. So thanks, man. I'm. I didn't play on any of the records. I can't take any credit for the recordings, but I'll be playing live. <laughs> They're very good. Hopefully, you can live up to you're, that. You're the Wolfman of the group. You're very Wolfman right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm just coming in. I think I can handle it, Junior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna Scott Pell your way into the recording studio. I am playing my first show in over a year in like two weeks, and it's at Red Rocks, which is gonna be insane. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. So where are you guys touring? Are you out west? Are you doing like a whole country? Uh, the Blame My Youth stuff we're doing. It's just a bunch of fly dates right now. I don't know if we're gonna connect those shows. Actually, those aren't even. I think those get announced like later this month. So, um, okay. hopefully, we'll have more information. But I would assume we're gonna play some shows in between. Um, but I'm playing Red Rocks with this band called Delwater Gap. It's like an LA band that's, you know, Sweet. just friends of friends. So, Fuck yeah, man. sick to Great. see music. Music's coming you keep back. Keep hanging out with Seether. You'll be in my neck of the woods, and I'll come see. You. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I'm definitely gonna end up in Indianapolis at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> that seems like a seems like a rock festival. And I'll be there. <laughs> I don't know if my Seether shirts fit anymore. We'll have to find. <laughs> 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 oh man mike thank you so much for being on the thank podcast. you mike thanks for coming and talking about Dude, that thanks, thing you do thanks for having me this is again one of my favorite movies of all time 